0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome one, and welcome to all, to the greatest show, of them all it is the nfc east mixtape which you can listen to on any one of sp nation's nfc east blog podcast networks you can also watch this show on the blue outro, on the bleeding green nation youtube channel or the blog and the boys youtube channel if you do so you will see the visual stylings of himself he is brandon lee gotten i am myself RJ Ochoa from bleeding green nation blog on the boys etc etc blg it's great to see your
2: face once more i am myself RJ, you complete coward who abandoned the mixologist, as you referred to them last week. You're back. You showed your face. Coward. Uh, That's exactly what it was. Bold of you to come back here. Uh, but And didn't even listen to the episode. You said you're going to listen to it, so fair enough. But I did think we had a really good show with both Jamal and Ed hopping on and giving us some perspective elsewhere in the division. We get a lot of complaints, criticism, feedback, whatever you want to call it. That we don't get enough of those perspectives, so we actually did do that last week
1: while we are um you know calling people out, I guess, um, you know, Brandon, I told you literally a week and a half ahead of time that I wasn't gonna be here, right, so you knew that Rachelle definitely knew that Rachel was probably waiting for some sort of direction from you, and in fact. Rachel was the person who sent. I'm, so let's apologize I will apologize since you didn't for the tardiness of last week's mixtape because Rachel hit you up and, and I guess me in our chat it was like hey is there gonna be a mixtape this week I know RG's at the Super Bowl blah 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 and you were like uh I guess uh let me see uh I Seth Rogen uh, uh, let me let me, let me see I if I can planned. you know find a guest whatever and I had it went it planned. out late
2: I had it planned it, I don't want to throw our guests under the bus but guess what sometimes the scheduling stuff isn't fully in my control so that's why it was out later than it usually was. Um, nobody believes you. Uh,
1: so that being said, um, it went out late. So apologies. It went out on Saturday because that was the other thing. You didn't even make sure that Well, it, you didn't even make sure that I had the file, that I had the songs or anything like that. I had to go digging and hunting for this information all on my own. So once again, great job, Brandon. You didn't you know. ask. <laughs> What do you mean? I didn't ask. It's a show. BLG deprived the blog of the voice
2: You didn't even care if you wanted. We I was gonna do one or not. I I was like whatever. No, I said. I said, said it's up to do. BLG.
1: I've done many an episode without you. I yeah, made sure when, that it went out at the exact same time as usual. I handled all of the curation of guests and songs and everything like that. It's okay. You dropped the ball. Nobody's and when I'm nobody's not mad. On, I just, always just make pointing sure it out. You
2: have a guest lined up, and I always know what's mm. going on hundred well, percent
1: true while i was gone i interviewed three members of the nfc east you and i are the nfc east mixtape but i spoke to new york giants wide receiver jalen hyatt i spoke to dallas cowboys running back tony pollard and i spoke to our favorite new york giants pass rusher Kayvon Thibodeau. uh so uh we can kind of get into thoughts and takeaways from those things i know that ed wrote about both of the giants interviews at big blue view so my appreciation and thanks to him um but yeah uh the super bowl is over that stinks no more football
2: uh <clears throat> I'm happy with how the game went, I will say, considering that I number one bet on the Chiefs to win. I didn't do the emotional hedge this time, which spoke to my confidence in the Chiefs. So uh the Andy Reid thing, I just don't really care about anymore. Like I, I was happy when he got his first one, especially because it happened after the Eagles got theirs. If we're living in a world where the Eagles have not won a Super Bowl and Andy Reid has three titles, that's not as uh easy to reconcile, but whatever. Uh, I just didn't want the 49ers to win, obviously. So yeah, and it, you, it really proved that justice is it, justice, and not oh just our gosh. friend, Justice Mosqueda from Acme Packing Company, but justice as a concept exists in the world because that Niners team, dude, you saw it last week. Well, oh, fire alarms, oh, the field is whatever. Like they're just they just love to complain. They love to complain. They're a bunch of whiners, they're a bunch of babies. Kyle Shanahan's a coward, and Timu Tom Brady could not rise to the occasion and top i thought brock Purdy actually played okay but still you saw the difference between him and obviously just the best player ever question mark patrick mahomes so i'm happy with how the super bowl went and including everything around it too i mean i thought the commercials were fun for the most part uh i like the dunkin donuts one a lot and uh obviously the halftime show was great too um
1: game went the way i wanted and the way i preferred um in addition to not one of the niners i i want to be clear um because there are some cowboys fans who. of the belief like i don't i don't want the niners to get to six before the cowboys that has really hollowed for me um but with pittsburgh getting there and new england getting there and them having been there for a very long time i mean consider that pittsburgh got to number six now 16 years ago you know what i mean it's i've I've made my peace with the cowboys not being the first to six um and so new england obviously got there a long time ago as well so it really wasn't that i just don't like them and they own the Cowboys. so you know call me bitter or whatever and i also people have this take a lot when it comes to certain teams or athletes or whatever I'm just kind of at a place where I want to see the greatness that is the Chiefs. You know, it's amazing to kind of watch it unfold. Andy Reid is super likable. I find my homes to be likable. I never a problem with any of the Kelsey or Taylor Swift stuff or whatever. So it was all good. It was kind of a boring game, I felt like, with a dramatic, intense fourth quarter, which was cool. Uh, so obviously, I think that left us feeling satisfied. Commercials didn't really do it for me, if I'm being totally honest with you. But Usher was incredible it's just a sad thing when it's over i love the super bowl and how epic and big and grand it is and that it's this shared universal experience and so it's hard to just let it go
2: and let football season go with it every team is
1: zero and
2: zero again right
1: uh so i do want to say this i don't seem to hate the 49ers as much as you do but we had stats on my radio show on tuesday and we're getting his perspective obviously on where things are at and and poor poor stats he's He's not resting also met stats in person, uh, which was super awesome. Definitely not as tall as you thought he was. And it was super great, obviously to, to break bread with him and, and kind of, you know, uh, discuss a few different things, but he referred to the Niners this way. I never have, but I think you'll agree with this. He said, cause I asked him, you know, if, if um, Pat Mahomes and the, and the chiefs are Michael Jordan and the bulls, like who were the Niners in that mm. analogy? Cause I, I, i made the point I think a lot of people have there, the Jazz, right, to the, the, you know, the Chiefs' Bills, or Bulls, excuse me. And he said, well, I think that they're a uh, way less likable Phil Nicholson to Tiger Woods. That's mm-hmm. what's happening here. And and stats made the point, he said, they're not a likable team. He said, no, you know, that they're they have their problems. And he said, Kyle Shanahan can be kind of arrogant. But this is the thing I think you, you'll like. He said, they've kind of acted like uncrowned champions. And yes. I think the, I think the Eagles had wow. some of that going on Literally, too. my whole I, issue I, with last I think, year. I think the Eagles had some of that going on, too. But the Niners have definitely no. had a lot of that going on. And that's what are you
2: talking about? A lot of these Eagles players have won a Super Bowl ring, or at least some of them
1: have. Well, no, but they acted like that. They acted like they had the greatest Super Bowl loss ever. And there was like valor in that. So, but that's my point true. is, there is something to being so good that you are in these moments year in and year out, but having nothing to show for it that is just so painful. And that's who the Niners are. I mean, the Eagles
2: were there, obviously, early on in Andy Reid's career. So, you know, kind of familiar with that to some extent. I mean, <laughs> You've been saying throughout the season, oh, the 49ers backed up their trash talk. They, they did. did along, they along they did. They, they did. I'm not done along the way, but you know, when the lights were on the brightest, I mean Debo Samuel was trash. That's his favorite word to use to describe James Bradbury, who actually was trash last year. But I mean, Debo doing didn't do anything, obviously got hurt just like he did uh in the NFC championship game last year. Drake Greenlaw mm-hmm. is just acting like a fool and jumping around and being way too uncontained and got hurt doing that um so i don't know it's just kind of like well yeah maybe you kind of act in a certain way and maybe those results uh find you so uh yeah i definitely don't feel bad at all I, i mean i understand the feeling i feel bad for stats just because of how exhausting it is to then have to talk about that and relive that um but for this 49ers team that basically acted like well if, if brock Purdy just doesn't get hurt we beat the eagles definitely and then we go to the super bowl and we win we beat the chiefs you got uh, this, uh go. you lost to them now twice in the super bowl and the chiefs this year i think it's fair to say we're a worse version of the chiefs last year so no your your hypothesis is actually totally proven false and you look foolish
1: uh i think you are way too obsessed with the niners at this point in time but i'm happy that they lost the Dre Greenlaw thing is a bummer like no matter how you slice it like that was horrible to just watch it felt so horrible for him I know a lot of people did as well I do think that Purdy played well I mean you're right like Debo kind of was a little absent obviously got hurt George Kittle was a little absent had the clutch fourth down catch obviously but I, like i don't know how you can point the finger at brock purdy and feel you know be like oh he's the reason blah 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 i i i kind of feel like kyle shanahan is not catching enough heat i wrote about hmm. this actually um, i don't like, think that's true
2: i think well, everyone's dumping on him
1: but i it should be more if mike Mc, if if tony pollard came uh, out okay. and said oh we mike we, we did, what do you mean it comes out back to Mike mccarthy you just spent five minutes lamenting about how this was all about the eagles if mike mccarthy if if Tony Pollard is like, oh, we didn't know the overtime rules or whatever, like whatever, Mike McCarthy would be banished from the universe. But for some reason, Kyle, there are still people that are like, well, it's not that big of a deal that Kyle Shanahan didn't tell these players. What do you mean it's not that big of a deal? The Chiefs practiced it in training camp. Like, there, there's a difference in being what do you prepared think makes the prepared. difference
2: if they did know?
1: I mean. Multiple things. See, can be that's true. the question. I think no, people no, no, can't no, answer no. though. M- multiple things can be true. And to your point, probably nothing. But it can also be true that he clearly wasn't as prepared as he possibly could be. So like, how do we know that he wasn't, you know, necessarily equally unprepared in other capacities that did make yeah, it right?
2: That's and that's fair. I can kind of wonder about that. And I'm not saying it's like awesome or beneficial or cool that they didn't know. But I just do think I genuinely wonder, like, what would have been different? I mean, I think the bigger issue that people are should be focusing on is just the coward cowardice of it all. And he did have the fourth down attempt, which was out of character. I know you and stats were, I I know I could not, I was like, I couldn't, I was like, wow. I was at that moment. I thought the 49ers actually were going to win because I'm like, this is Kyle Shannon actually playing to win and good for him. And although, you know, when he he really should have done it again, like you, I think you have to go for it there. I know the chiefs can get a field goal and win if you don't get it, but, you it comes back to again, I've talked about like the Michael Myers thing of Mahomes where you just you have to do literally everything you can to win. And I always criticize the Bills for what ultimately set up these new overtime rules for not going for two when uh what was it? Whatever how many seconds, thirteen, seconds, 13 whatever seconds, whatever was on the clock. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> they should have went for two there because if they go for two, then the Chiefs need a touchdown at the end of that game instead of a field goal. Like, that's it's pretty hard to get a touchdown in 13 seconds it's not inconceivable that you could just have one long play with pass interference or a couple plays whatever they did and get into field goal range. like that's possible I'm well on record
1: for hating on the bills as a result of that and and that energy was way more annoying because what was annoying about that was like oh it's so unfair that Josh Allen didn't get to touch the ball why like what why why is it unfair they had every opportunity to win the game throughout the course of the entire game but I don't want to sit here and lament about the bills or even the Niners or the Chiefs for that matter um it's the Chiefs world and we're all just living in it everything feels so pointless and inevitable
2: um, doesn't it feel like i was thinking because you were talking about the ESPN nfl show sometimes i think it's it is like interesting to see how people who aren't as you know uh diseased as we are talking about football all the time are looking at things just like the, the, my casual outsider perspective like i always refer to my dad follows football stuff and he watches the show to shout out to my dad but he also like doesn't what up Doug? in depth as a lot of people and I always bring up like the Bryce Young example. He was like looking at Bryce Young when we were watching a Panthers game one time, and he was like, That guy's the quarterback. Like, really? <laughs> like, that guy's the number one overall pick. So sometimes I think it's funny. You, you, you have to imagine people who don't even follow the NFL closely were like, Ask them before the season, who's going to win the Super Bowl? The Chiefs, right? They're, like, yeah. And then after the season, they're like, Oh, duh. I told you, like, not surprising at all. And then it's like, Yeah, you're right. We overcomplicate things sometimes. And sure enough, uh, the Chiefs won. And it's, man. Like we're all talking about greatness and dynasty and everything. And I am try, I'm not trying to take any credit away from them, but isn't that kind of funny? Like the Chiefs weren't even that good this year. Their fans didn't even enjoy the team for a lot of the season. Like that wasn't like a fun team, a fun ride. It was like miserable a lot of the way. And then they turned it on in the playoffs, even the playoffs. They weren't like, Oh man, they're back in full force. Like they're kind of like just piecing it together. So it's, it's really funny to me that like, Houston didn't even play all that well relative to their standards and they're still the best team in the league
1: uh to that overall point they were actually for the first time really unlikable and really hateable after the bills lost the whole like oh well you can't take that play away because it was too cool you know like they Mm -hmm. just said it was so they finally felt pretentious and like they were the villains you know amid their overall kind of arc throughout this whole thing but then they became likable again and i just i don't know how like I felt like this whole playoffs and I guess this gets us back to the division. This didn't necessarily happen to the Eagles unless you define um, their boogeyman to be hubris. But it was all about like the the person who owns you, like continued to own you like throughout the course of these playoffs. And so for the Cowboys, as an example, it was the Packers right like they've owned you like obviously the Niners have owned them as well. They have multiple owners at this point in time, but so and for the bills, it was like, okay. The, and, and and we talked about it for the Cowboys, though, like how, if it couldn't go, if it couldn't happen now, what else has to happen? Like you had you had right. everything working for you. And I felt like that happened throughout the AFC playoffs. Like for Buffalo is you're at home, you're catching the Chiefs, the weakest version of themselves. You got Josh Allen, blah, 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 blah. You had the fumble through the end zone, blah, and it didn't happen. So it's like. What else has to happen in Baltimore? You have the MVP, you have Mm -hmm. this amazing team. You're one of literally the best teams ever by DVOA. You're it's the first AFC championship game in Baltimore ever. Like, and again, the Chiefs are really down. So, if it can't happen now, what else has to happen? And for the Niners, same sort of thing like, there's all this conversation like, oh, they're going to load up because Brock Purdy's on his rookie deal what what more do they need like they need another superstar skill position player they need another you know amazing you know defensive game record and th- then they're gonna what catch the chiefs in an even weaker year for patrick mahomes like it's it's just the inevitability of it is so maddening i think for mm-hmm. so many teams
2: yeah it's and it also measures like again purdy was fine but when the that's the, the quarterback thing it's like you, you might have in a vacuum like a nice quarterback in theory but when you're measuring it up to Mahomes, like that's the standard to win the championship. Like you have to be able to beat that guy, and obviously, it's very tough for a team to find someone better than that, or even anywhere as close as good as that. But man, like that's that's ultimately where what you're going up against. So like you know what I mean? Oh, wait, you're muted, or at least yeah, you're muted. It, I just said it's a tough season. So my bad. Oh. Um, but I mean you know what I mean that's it's just I was trying to get at this with Ed when I was talking to him last week you know you have people like talking themselves into Daniel Jones and I think less so still but at one point in time you're like really but I'm like, like like that guy's gonna be Patrick Mahomes really this is what you're talking yourself into so I don't know just something to think about that you're always chasing that standard um
1: it is yard day around here so the dogs are pretty upset about that. um but okay let's get to the NFC East let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys I haven't listened did you talk about the Cowboys first last week People we didn't really talk about like, the Cowboys
2: and our Eagles so wow, much because wow, wow, I wow to save that when you were wow, here. Wow, wow! If only and, we did this show on a weekly basis. And the like the interviews were like up to an hour itself, so the the whole podcast would have been almost two hours or approaching that. If I wait, did I didn't even know well. this. You
1: guys put the interviews on here?
2: What? do you Oh, mean? the Ed, the Ed. I thought you meant the Giants interviews. We should no. have done
1: that. Oh man, really, NFC East. We interviews. really dropped the ball there. Wow. Um, OK, the Dallas Cowboys, since we last spoke, uh, officially saw Dan Quinn leave, although that's kind of old news at this point in time. But still, um, well, these, how do you feel they, about it? <laughs> I feel great. I've, I've been out on Dan Quinn for a long time. I mean, and people have heard me say this for a very, very long time, yourself included. So I'm very happy that dan quinn is out i'm extraordinarily happy that dan quinn is the head coach of a team within the division and oh we also since we last spoke kellen moore is now the offensive Oh no that had happened i think or that was rumored. it's
2: official out. now yeah so we had there, talked about that before there's but a big it's now been uh,
1: incestual nature to the nfc east right now with how all this stuff is kind of happening but so I have zero worries or concerns with Dan Quinn leaving. Certainly zero worries or concerns with him joining the commanders. And it felt like he was their like last option, no offense to Dan, Um, but we were live or we were recording when Brian uh, Ben Johnson removed himself from consideration. So um, yeah, I mean, it just felt like, it felt like everybody was like, I guess we'll take Dan Quinn. And he was like, I guess I'll take the commanders. Like it just felt, you know, like a settlement for everybody involved. Um, And this was such a long and exhausting experience the cowboys to find a new defensive coordinator and i roll my eyes because
2: it was i was going to say you actually like did rub your eyes there (laughs) no
1: it wasn't me being tired it was me being annoyed because i don't know how closely you monitored it because it was the super bowl and stuff but so that they had been connected to immediately ron rivera which made me just want to it's very
2: funny considering your harsh uh, stance against him with the eagles
1: I've never seen Interstellar, but you know that that clip that people share all the time of like you know, like going back in time and telling myself not to be a fan of this team, like it made me want to do that with like the Cowboys. Like, what did I des- do to deserve this? And then they improved that by searching after Mike Zimmer or going after Mike Zimmer or courting him, whatever. And I, I have a unique take on this relative to mm. most Cowboys fans, so we'll get there. Uh, but just from a timeline perspective, for anyone who's not uh, aware. Um, they were then connected to, you know, a handful of other people, but those were kind of the top two for a while last Thursday. Um, they reportedly, you know, zero owned in zeroed in on Mike Zimmer. This news broke during NFL honors, the same NFL honors in which the Cowboys would get skunked uh, in terms of major awards. Um, but they had the attention of the world because they were set to be hiring Mike Zimmer, but that was quickly refuted with, Nothing official has happened. And then mm-hmm. on Friday morning, um, Rex Ryan was reportedly or that had happened earlier in the week. I'm sorry. But either way, I'm getting my days mixed up. But when the Rex thing happened, that was the moment I felt like the most defeated I've ever felt as a as a Cowboys fan in recent memory because it was just. But anyway, so um, over the weekend, nothing happened, although Rex did speak on Sunday NFL countdown about his interest in the job and why he had gone after it and how he had called Mike McCarthy and blah, blah, blah. And on Monday, Adam Schefter, an ESPN employee, went on the Pat McAfee show in ESPN production, spoke to Pat McAfee, an ESPN employee, about how nothing was official here and that Rex Ryan, also an ESPN employee, was still technically in the mix for the job. This new cycle reported by ESPN, created by ESPN, involving ESPN employees was just the most annoying thing to experience ever. Uh, but on Monday afternoon, the Cowboys formally announced that they are, in fact, going with Mike Zimmer. I want to be very clear here because I've had an unpopular opinion with Cowboys fans. I'm OK with the hire. I'm fine with the hire. In terms of who Mike Zimmer is, there's a lot of people who understand the schematic principles of of football more than I do, who are very excited. And some Eagles fans, I saw Benjamin Solak was super pumped about this as an example. Mm. But the process of how we got here is so stupid and Mm. and so ridiculous. You cannot just – you cannot – really have just considered from an external candidate perspective and they didn't literally but ron rivera and mike zimmer and act like you're taking this seriously you cannot consider rex ryan and, and like pretend or expect me to believe that you're taking this seriously i mean Rex Ryan hasn't been in the NFL since 2016. Mike Zimmer hasn't been in the NFL since 2021. And I thought somewhat highly of Mike Zimmer at one point in time. And while he has been the Cowboys defensive coordinator in the past, and while there's reason to believe again, that this is going to work out, this is the same old crap. It's just like, Oh, let's just mm-hmm. hire some. It's the, it's football nepotism. It's NFL nepotism that we see all the time. And people love to ask things like, Oh, well, if you're so mad, then who, who would you have preferred? And I'm not advocating for this person, and you would know that, certainly. But how do you not have a conversation with, say, Brandon Staley? Like, how how do you not have a conversation Mm. with anyone and and just, you know, let let yourself – well, look, Brandon Staley's a young coach. He's obviously a failed head coach, but like he's a really bright defensive mind. Like, how do you how do you expect us to believe you're exhausting all resources and looking under every rock if you're not even considering talking to people of a different generation or of a different lineage or of a different tree or whatever the case may be? And if you ultimately do all those things and you come to the conclusion that you want to hire Mike Zimmer, so be it. I can make my peace with that. But that they didn't do that just kind of speaks to, well, what's the like quickest and easiest way to ultimately do this? And the way it unfolded and in, in how it bordered the Super Bowl weekend made it really look like they were just garnering for attention and doing whatever they could to take a piece of Super Bowl no. weekend and make it about the Cowboys. So I, um, I, I, sound, I know I sound like an old man relative to a lot of people. And my last take on this, and I know I've gone long and I'm sorry about that, but it was a month ago when – Everybody like hated this team. Every Cowboys fan was like, I'm never gonna trust them again. And now my mentions are filled with like, dude, this could really work out. You're just being harsh. You're just being like, what happened over the last month to where you suddenly are now willing to give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of who they've considered here for this position? So the the net result is okay, but the process was incredibly flawed.
2: That's some incredibly fast grief process happening, the steps of grief.
1: Not me, you're saying
2: yeah going okay. on when you get back to that point i mean let's be real everyone gets back to that point at some point in the off season typically it may take it might take longer for some than others i'm sure by august you'll be feeling a little bit differently in any case uh i think it's a fair point by you in terms of evaluating the process of how things got done it does seem to be that the cowboys have just kind of always liked mike zimmer and uh i i never loved just like Well, this guy was part of our organization before, so he's the right guy. Because famously, the Philadelphia Flyers do that a lot, where it's just like every coach and every GM and every player, former Flyer, former Flyer. It's like, guess what? That's not, there's no way, just like statistically, that's no way all the best candidates are just happen to be former Flyers. Like that does not make any sense. So yeah, I don't like that part of it, but uh, I think this is a fine hire. I do think you might be selling Dan Quinn a little bit short, at least in terms of like, he did a really good job as a defensive coordinator, maybe down the stretch, there are struggles. But I mean, when you look at the whole resume, when you look at like statistically how his defenses performed and relative to the uh, d- difficulty of the schedule and the, um, uh, the resources, the cap resources, I, I broke all that down and he, he did a good job. I, and, even if it was flawed, there's a lot of room to get worse. Can we? I would least, offer, can, you, can you agree with that, that there's room to go down for sure?
1: Yeah, but that's part of that in that, in that they've just been historically great. I mean, not just by yes. Cowboy standards, but by <clears throat>
2: NFL standards. And
1: I agree with you that like I'm not trying to act like Dan Quinn sucks or, or anything like that. It feels very similar to me to, I, I was not a fan of moving on from Kellen Moore a year ago, but ultimately, and you're right, like I'll ultimately cope myself into oblivion that like, oh, the Mike Zimmer hire was great. But like, you know and i eventually felt better about and and to be clear my stance on kellen was you have to see what mike mccarthy has that and you again know that but it it, he had an incredible amount of of success with the cowboys but it was just time it was it was just time to move on Mm. you couldn't keep doing it and i think that's it's a similar sort of thing with dan quinn um now i don't mean to take away from him either here but People have rightly and fairly and objectively noted all the success that he had in his three years. It is important to note that that not only coincided with the arrival of Micah Parsons, but also with a significant investment from a draft standpoint. The the Cowboys have significantly invested way more on the defensive side of the ball during Dan Quinn's era than they have the offensive. So, I mean, again, not to take away or say he he was elevated or carried by anybody, but it, it was not just the brilliance of Dan Quinn is all I'm saying.
2: That's a fair point. At the same time, I think those players got better under him, and he deserves some level of credit for, like, developing those players, especially guys who weren't just, like, Micah Parsons, a first-round pick, but, like, Deron Bland, you know, like, getting that kind of production out of, and, and, like, Stephon Gilmore, and you know, know, obviously a player successful in the past, but aging and whatnot, kind of getting the best out of certain players, that's ultimately what good coaching boils down to. So, yeah, I'm not here to say Dan Quinn is perfect and the Cowboys are totally screwed, but, again, I just, my point is that I think there's a lot of room to go down, and we've talked about that before. And I guess maybe give him some credit for staving that off because it seemed like they were just going to fall off at some point and they never really did. I think Mike Zimmer, though, ultimately kind of gives you a level of, it's kind of like what I talked about with the Eagles, level of competency you're looking for. Because I I don't think where the Cowboys are in terms of we need to go all in, as Jerry Jones is saying, or we're trying to win now. Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat. You're not going to turn over your defense to like a first-time play caller. I don't think that really makes sense. So uh, I do think going with someone experienced, Is a good idea, and uh, I think Zimmer has enough of a background there where you feel comfortable with that. You also, in the best case scenario, don't have to worry probably about losing him to a head coaching job, that's kind of like a market inefficiency here. Uh, I uh, that's how I feel about Vic Fangio pretty much in Philly. Obviously, the Chiefs have that going very well for them in spags, and I would like for that to stop. I would like for a team to hire Steve Spagnuolo because please get him out of Kansas City. Uh, obviously, Mahomes is still going to be the straw that serves the drink there, but he is certainly contributing a lot as well. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's an A-plus hire for the Cowboys, but given the circumstance and also the timing, because you know this Dan Quinn hire happened like relatively later. It was literally the last coaching hire in the cycle, so you don't necessarily have like the whole spectrum of candidates available to you. I think it's pretty... if i had to give it a grade i guess i'd give it like a b plus
1: my last thing that i would would add here um and a big reason that i am in favor or was in favor have been in favor moving on from dan quinn is it's undeniable that he not only has a lack of success but he really fails spectacularly against kyle shanahan and kyle's coaching tree we've seen that you know over and over and over again in the three-year stretch obviously twice in the playoffs um not you know an overwhelming sample size but one of the more successful defensive minds against that tree is mike zimmer and so it stands to reason that if you're the cowboys you're going to have to go through that at some point in time um and you know steve Spagnuolo can maybe help you out or, you know in, in some capacity but um it makes sense to to say okay this this thing owns us let's move on from the dude who sucks at it and let's find somebody who is relatively successful that's a, a really you know thirty thousand foot way of looking at it but i'm i'm fine but i'm also again the process really irked me and that's you know my only real gripe with it but should we move on to the eagles now
2: in eagles news
1: drama
2: you know drama peaceful super bowl sunday nothing going on about the philadelphia eagles they're not in the game unlike they were last year oh no actually they are what's the phrasing they i have uh, I wouldn't get it right. I, I was I don't wanna I don't wanna mess it up. Permission to seek a trade. That's the phrasing. That was what came out from Ian Rappaport on Sunday morning. The Eagles have given Hassan Reddick permission to seek a trade. And now, literally right before we we're starting this podcast, so unlike true NFC East makes state fashion, where usually the news happens after we're right after we're done recording, uh, our friend Jordan Schultz reports that he spoke to Hassan Reddick who tells him that he actually never requested a trade. He wants to stay in Philly. Quote, I would like to get an extension done here at home. At no point did I ever tell the organization I want to be traded. This is home for me. I was born and raised here. Two of the most fun years playing football in my life came here. I've cherished being an Eagle. And then Hassan Reddick himself actually tweeted, uh, he already quote tweeted that and kind of, you know, even further confirmed it if you didn't believe it already somehow. So, um... I mean, I don't love this because Hassan Reddick is ostensibly one of the Eagles best players and they don't really have a backup plan behind him if he's not here next season. So I don't love the idea, certainly of just giving him away. And I don't think that's what the Eagles are doing. I think what this is, is Hassan Redick in the Eagles were probably or have been talking terms about an extension uh, for context. He's going in to the last year of his deal this year. So that's a natural thing to be talking about. And my guess is that the two sides are far apart. And that's understandable. Hassan Reddick should value himself very highly because the only players who have more sacks than him since 2020 are Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, and Trey Hendrickson. And is there another? It's either four or five. But in any case, is Micah elite production, I'm, I'm legitimately asking. No, because Micah came in, in 2021. Oh, you're right. That so, 2020 season. Right. Okay. And Hasan Reddick started to take off in 2020. And but that's like that's a big sample size now. That's what? That's four seasons. So it's like it's a pretty big deal. And he there's a lot of things that uh Hasan Reddick checks with the boxes on in terms of doesn't miss games. Uh not an issue culture-wise at all. I think he's actually like a nice guy to have in the locker room. I just I think there's some criticism of him like not being the best run defender. And maybe there's times where he might freelance a little bit, but like he gets TFLs too. That's part of his game. So and he actually was really good in run defense against the Dolphins, which is one of the Eagles' best games of last season. So like I just I don't love the idea that you're moving on from him, especially this doesn't make sense like time frame-wise. It's not like the Eagles are retooling or rebuilding or taking a step back. Nick Serian's on Nick on the hot seat. He has to win. This team, the Eagles believe this team can win. And that's why they, they made the contingents they did. They didn't burn it down to the ground. They said, we can still win. We just have to bring in stronger coordinators. So I just don't really love the idea of getting rid of him. It would have to be, to me, like a really strong offer to to move on. I think it's at least a second, probably plus more. It's just, again, you, you don't have much behind him. It's the most valuable position on defense, at least cap space-wise, at least resource-wise. So Uh, And I'm sure you would love Hassan Redick to not be on the Eagles next year. Am I wrong in saying that? I love is strong, but I would definitely
1: prefer it. Um, My, to be very clear, my own individual perception of Hassan Redick is probably muddied because the way you specifically speak about him has led me to believe that he's overrated because i'm just like there's no way he's as good as blg notes he's an incredible football player but you go a little bit over the top sometimes and some of it's your pushing of an agenda that he was better than micah parsons and picking him on your all that. nfc east team you said that you picked him with uh, with jimmy on bgn radio you said it was, he was so better than micah Parsons,
2: and also it wasn't that crazy because the production is incredibly high it was like crazy, unthinkable. It crazy. So again, I'm just explaining my own viewpoint of him and how it's been clouded by your that was, ridiculousness. It's just a one-off comment, I, like thoughtless comment that I anyway, wasn't even putting any thought um, into. I do think this
1: is the. I don't. I really don't mean to like do the drama thing, but like I do think this is the beginning of a fascinating off season for Howie Roseman. Can you can you keep everybody happy? however that happiness is defined by them like hassan is well you know in line to ask for an extension like and yeah because the likelihood is that he won't have the same production right the likelihood is that if he tries to have this conversation a year from now he's coming from a less strong you know point you know what i'm saying like so it makes sense for him to cash in however he put this is probably the last big extension he's going to get throughout his nfl career so it makes sense to to use what leverage he has and that's a difficult thing to massage if you're Harry Roseman um and i don't know i know there was i know this was fake but i know there was like weird twitter rumors about aj brown asking for a trade i saw he was asked about this by Kay adams and it was just that that seemed really silly i did agree by the way and there weren't any
2: trip. trade rumors there was nothing there was no, there was never an actual rumor anywhere
1: i um i agreed with aj that if he
2: shoved nick sirianni during the super bowl that wasn't him apparently i don't know
1: that to, oh well what if it was or wasn't i so agree AJ did, like
2: deleted all of his social media and it seems to me that like a fan took over that account or something you know like got the handle gotcha and also i don't know if that's i mean i could be wrong maybe it wasn't but darius slay said something during the game that he texted aj or whatever and aj said it wasn't him or i don't know so i don't even, I don't even know if he didn't tweet that
1: if it was aj brown or cd lamb because of who he plays for or Devontae adams or i mean pick a player for some like the fact that travis kelsey shoved andy Reid, and it was just kind of like whatever it's a little little funny but um i do think the hassan thing it might be worth legitimately exploring the trade because it does feel like a get out a year too early as opposed to a year too late Mm -hmm. sort of thing i recognize the the need for production now because it's a a hot seat sort of situation for nick sirianni but you know, does Howie care about that? I mean, you know what I mean. Like, if it's in the best interest of maximizing the long-term, you know, stability of the Eagles, I think, I think you have to. If you get a second-round draft pick for him, I think you have to
2: maybe do it. It has to be second plus. I mean, it has to be an offer. I think that just makes you go, oh yeah, that's great value. Of course, we have to do that because again, this is what you have behind Hassan Reddick right now. And I'm, I'm. Let me assume, which isn't even a guarantee, but let me assume that Brandon Graham will be back. He's going to come back in his age 36 season, good role player, but certainly not a guy that you're counting on to be, you know, uh, maybe even a top three defensive end for you, maybe the fourth guy. So then you have Josh Sweat, who had one sack and two TFLs in his last eight games last year. He got better every season of his career up until last year when he started hot, and then he obviously had that huge sack at the end of the Cowboys game. But then after that, again, just one sack the rest of the whole season. So you worry about that um you worry about and behind him you have nolan smith who didn't really get on the field a lot as a rookie i still oh, but i was optimistic. i was told
1: he was going to be amazing because he's a georgia i'm optimistic
2: again. about his future but i don't think he's ready right now i don't think he's ready you can just say all right now that's literally especially the gap from him for or er- 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 Hassan reddick to him i think that's a huge gap even if nolan smith does turn out to be a really great player that's still a lot to assume that's it's going to close the gap there and then beyond that it's not much of anything like Patrick Johnson, special teams guy, um, you know, just you don't have much behind Hassan Redick. So if you get rid of him, you have to have a really, really good backup plan or a plan to pivot to something else. And I don't know exactly how you do that, especially with the timing and everything, because you can't just trade him and be like, well, we're going to sign Bryce Huff or whoever. And then all of a sudden Bryce Huff. Maybe I don't. I don't think this is realistic. But maybe he gets tagged by the Jets, or maybe another team outbids you. You know, and then you're all of a sudden you don't have anyone. Like I'd, I would be careful if I'm the Eagles. I think this isn't just about them wanting to trade him. You know, I think people see that rumor and like, oh, Hassan Redick's gone. Like you just automatically assume that he is getting traded. I don't think that's the case. I think that this is all part of the negotiating process. The Eagles have done this with other players before. They've given them per- publicly permission to seek a trade. I think in part because. Then that player talks to those teams and kind of or at least the agent does. And they get a sense of what those teams might be offering for a new contract there for that agent can come back to the Eagles and saying, well, this team is offering us this much per year. So then the Eagles can kind of use that as, you know, part of the tool in negotiating and leverage and whatnot. And then maybe they can end up ironing out a contract where Hassan can actually stay in Philly. So I think, again, it's clear to me right now that Sonreich volumes himself way up here and the Eagles are kind of not as close and then maybe there's a team that kind of comes in the middle there and maybe the Eagles go up to that and they keep him, at least that's what I'm hoping.
1: I also am not doubting the reporting of Jordan Schultz, but like it is also standard in this like dance for Hassan to then come back and be like, "I didn't ask for a trade." Like this is all kind of a game of public opinion right now, like so that every Eagles fan could be like, "What are you doing, leaking that he wants a trade? He never asked for a trade." And blah blah blah. So I mean, it um, might be
2: right though that he never did, but that doesn't mean his agent didn't.
1: Right. So um, yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on past the Eagles or anything else?
2: Well, let's take a break. RJ,
1: throw it, throw it, throw it. Good.
0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We went and got it. Um, that's Archie, how whole, do you feel the about the pr-
2: Apple Vision Pro? Not a sponsor. Just curious to get your genuine take on it. I've been thinking about your take on this since um, I've seen it.
1: Well, Bear is barking a lot, and that's... Um, annoying but um also annoying is my voice just like constantly going in and out yeah, drank, i agree
2: most people agree with
1: that i've drank so much hot tea over the last week you have no idea what kind um, of tea
2: like what flavor uh
1: Are peppermint honey What's honey chamomile on? you know <clears throat> just doing what i can to to nurse this thing but um with with agave or and honey mixing it up you know what i mean wow. so um that's how I roll. But sorry, I I don't have a great sounding voice in general. And so it, when it's weakened, it, it it doesn't sound good. But um, the Apple Vision Pro thing, I saw the, um, I don't know if it was a, a photo or a video of like the way you can watch NBA games and you can like be Iron Man and like pinching and whatever. I got to be honest. I think that'd be overwhelming. I I, I wow. think I would, I think I'd be a little intimidated by it.
2: And do you have one? <laughs> no, but I've been thinking about it, um, especially because I don't have a lot of, space where i am if it's physical space so a virtual workstation seems appealing to me uh because then i can kind of maximize my limited space uh obviously the price is high but i'd want to use it to work i mean the entertainment stuff is fun and whatnot that's a nice perk but I, like, I, i'm trying to see if it would be viable can you a
1: let's talk this out because we have the same job um can you know. you think we could work while wearing it
2: well, so one of the, this is again, not an ad, but I'm intrigued by it. I'm, I, I, I think it's probably, you know, it's at a very intriguing spot right now and I'm sure with time and feedback and whatnot and more competition, whatever, all the things that go on with technology, just kind of like the original iPhone couldn't, you know, do a bunch of things relative to the ones that certainly came out not too long after that. I'm sure there could be some of that here. But anyway, uh, when you look at your laptop, as long as I think it's from like 2018 on, so mine's older than that. That's part of the problem. I have to get a new one, uh, which is also money. Uh, but when you look at your laptop, it like pops up into the virtual, you know, Apple Pro display. So in addition to that screen, you know, I can also have like my text message app open um, and whatnot. Uh and I just think it'd be fun to work in that environment, in this virtual environment, like just writing articles and whatnot. Obviously for the podcast, I'd have to still get on my laptop. But uh I think it's intriguing. I'm
1: willing to consider this. Show me a YouTube video and I, I can maybe get on board.
2: Um I'll think about Shout it. Shout out to uh actually, you know, here's this is a really you, you want some synergy here. Okay. uh vox media podcast rj which i've actually been listening to i haven't fully finished yet but uh do you know mkbhd like guy reviews tech no. stuff uh anyway that's actually on the vox media podcast network it's called waveform the mkbhd podcast all about apple vision pro so there you go boom
1: okay i'll check it Company out man we, we have a lot of podcasts here at vox obviously the nlc's mixtape is one of them um the espionation nfl show is another I almost—I don't know if I ever told you this. I was almost on Vox Explained once. For what?
2: Something Why the to Cowboys? Do... With... No, Sorry. it was—it
1: some... was something to do with Tom Brady and like putting something mm. in context. I forget exactly what it was, but it fell through. You know, maybe they didn't like the sound of my ugly voice. The New York Football Giants. Gotta
2: be nicer to yourself, man.
1: Um, <clears throat> so I'm here to report after a conversation with Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay, I know you heard the conversation that I had with Jalen Hyatt super interesting
2: yeah. dude um why didn't pre- this one go up on the sb nation nfl show feed because i listened to all those ones but i don't think I, that was there
1: i don't know um not to throw kiss under the bus but that's a michael kiss question mm. so wow um I, I listened to the pollard and the hyatt ones right so um pretty likable guy Kavon up bummer yeah. super likable in fact
2: <laughs> so likable we- when he was celebrating uh after he injured <laughs> <Nick
1: Foles. laughs> anyway so we had everything set up and he just, he walked up and sat down and grabbed the microphone and was like, and just started talking and was like, what's going on, everybody? We're here on 94. One. He saw like our sign and he was just like, I am Kayvon Thibodeau, your host. And like, it was, he was such a like electric and mm-hmm. charming personality. And he said something that I think, I think you're going to agree with. And I think it's going to make you like him, but you're going to do the BLG thing and pretend you don't. Um <sighs> Well, first of all, he defended saying that he believes Saquon deserved to be paid before Daniel Jones. And that was cool. And, he, you know, whatever. But he said, mm-hmm. um I was joking with him. I was like, Why well, cover the Cowboys. And he was like, I hate the Cowboys. And I was like, really? And I was like, you know, Because a lot of people who play in the NFL now, they don't really do that. You know, they don't really like hate people and stuff like that. Like it was cooler when I was growing up because teams like kind of hated each other. And he, he, he like was clear he doesn't actually hate anybody, but he was like, no, he was like, I don't want to like anybody. He was like, right in today's day and age, everybody wants to be invited and everybody wants to be everywhere. He was like, I don't want to be invited to your thing. I don't want to be invited to your stuff. I just want to do my thing, go Giants. It was kind of cool. It was kind of cool and refreshing. I respect it.
2: I get it. I understand it.
1: He um, is a chess player. Actually, shout out to Ed Valentine. He told me to ask him about how he dominated Saquon at chess. And he was humble. He was, he was like, well, you know, Saquon's kind of just learning the game. And I gave him my chess game with my friend Jimmy, not Kemsky. And I said, will you make a move for me. And he looked at it and he was like, oh, you're about to lose. And I was like, okay, we'll just make the move. So I can say that, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau made the move. And he said, I'm not touching that. He was like, I'm not letting that go on my record, you know, that you lost. So, again, kind of a funny dude. I, I really appreciated him.
2: But Are you familiar with the term zugzwang? No. As a chess player, uh, good word, but I think only actually applicable in chess. It's a situation in which the obligation to make a move in one turn, one's turn, is a serious, often decisive disadvantage. That applies to the NFL too, like a, play, like on a the gil- or a personnel move.
1: Anything that's got you feeling inspired about the New York Football Giants?
2: Um, the Saquon decision looms. Ed seems to be open to his returning, doesn't totally want to shut the door, but also obviously isn't like, we have to keep him at all costs. Uh, I did see this over the weekend. This is kind of big, Uh, nothing firm, but uh, you know how like Super Bowl morning, they're talking about other teams, like the Hassan Mm Reddick trade thing. The thing that came out with the Giants, like on that topic was that, quote, keep an eye on Big Blue, end quote, to move up for a quarterback in the 2024 NFL draft so maybe uh, the Giants get we're aggressive
1: too, we're too early to speculate exactly who but it would have to be I Jaden Daniels there's no way that they
2: can you know get it good high enough for Drake May get I don't any. know if it's that a big of a move up though hmm. I think I don't know I think Penix could be in play for them I think that's kind of like a range where you know I'm not I don't know if it's a move up to number you know let's say where are they sitting where are they where are they at They're number six um i believe so right yeah they were bad right i was for some reason i was thinking like they had had a similar position the last year um yeah i don't know i don't know I, I i haven't been keeping enough you know close attention to the quarterback thing i'm sure you haven't either we're not really in that realm of the teams we cover uh so maybe that's too high for Penix. i don't know but in any case uh maybe it is Jaden daniels i don't know it's
1: uh JP Acosta spoke to Penix um at spanishand.com everybody should go check that out. That was one of the cooler interviews that JP did throughout the week. I on the subject by the way, I got caught up on something. This was interesting because you said you listened caught to an, Anyway, you said you listened to um the Tony Pollard interview. Um so I hadn't realized this, but so he did say to us that he felt like he was back the week of the Carolina Panthers game. You heard him say that? I heard that. Yeah. So I had not connected these dots. I'm trying to, the, I've lost the tweet now, um, but from week, so that was week 11 and from week 11 on the highest graded running back in the NFL by PFF was Tony. Paul. Wow.
2: Bring him back, baby. Next I don't think deal.
1: they, I don't think they will, but like, I, that's a, just an interesting bookmark to place. You know what I mean? For where these, you know, NFC East free agents wind up. So. That's all. Um. Yeah. I mean, the quarterback situation with the Giants is going to be interesting to watch, but I mean, until there's something there, it's just blah. You know what I
2: mean? So I agree. We, uh, again, just defer to last week's episode with Ed, where we talked about how uh, it took forever for them to finally find a defensive coordinator. And he was clearly not one of their top options, which doesn't mean it won't work out. There's plenty of teams that don't go with their top option that coach or coordinator or whatever. And it turns out a lot better than anyone would have thought. So um, I think it's fine. And then obviously they ended up keeping Mike Kafka, but uh, we will see.
1: Longest tenured offensive coordinator in the
2: division, Mike Kafka. Probably one of them in the NFL, right? (laughs) I mean, honestly. Yeah.
1: Okay, so the Washington Commanders, since we last spoke, have hired Dan Quinn. I'm interested to hear Jamal's yeah. uh, Jamal's take on this. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just like, it feels so What's the difference
2: between this and Ron Rivera? Nothing. Literally nothing. I think, well, I think Dan Quinn, you know, I'd, I'm more inspired by him just because of recent relative success on the defensive side of the ball and because he's new, so there's a new energy there. I'm not saying, like, you should have brought back Ron Rivera for another year, obviously, but... I just don't know, but what about the profile? You know, I asked him all that question. And he gave his answer, and I think he gave it a reasonable answer. There's a, big, a lot of talk about like leadership, though. It's like leadership. Miss me? I thought that's thing. what Ron Rivera was supposed to do. I mean,
1: okay, leader of men, and you know, whatever. I mean, and I I believe in that with Dan Quinn. Like to be very clear, I do think that players enjoy him and rally around him, et cetera, et cetera. But I just, I mean, what what advantage does he provide their team now?
2: you know i think there's an argument to be made the commander should have done what the texans did with what's his name um the former chiefs guy the guy they hired are you you talking about
1: david cully the one year? yeah
2: i think they should have hired somebody to fire in a year yeah arguably yes and tried to make another run at ben johnson or well i mean who's to say they didn't I mean, I, mean I, I maybe, but I think – I don't know. It just seems like – I think Dan Quinn's not going to be that bad, though. I think Dan Quinn is good enough where he will bring a level of certain stability here. Um, I don't know. I just don't really – I don't get it. It seems like they had a much – they are very promised – I still think they have a good GM, or they might have a good GM, so that will help them a lot for sure. Um, I just don't really – think this is exactly like the home run we're pressing all the right buttons commanders are back in a big way than ever before totally fresh blood we're going to get the quarterback too and obviously if they nail the quarterback pick that's going to go a long way towards whether dan quinn is going to be successful or not i mean even beyond his control in a lot of ways so um,
1: what i'm about to say i is, don't love the is, of
2: coordinator hire either
1: what i'm about to say is going to be a real as i define them to be classic blg take so whether you take offense to of that or not, is up to you. Um, but did you see, so he hired Joe Witt Jr. Uh, from the Cowboys to be his new defensive coordinator. And I don't blame Joe Witt at all. Like go, go take the like guaranteed contract and what, you know, well, and longer, they worked, that's
2: like their guys, right? Like they're, they're boys. Yeah, They've been together or, for. Yeah.
1: And, and again, like even if they weren't though, you know, you're guaranteed what, like two to three years worth of job security in a new job, as opposed to you have no idea what this is going to look like a year from now with the Cowboys. And right. you get a promotion and again, you get the, you know, the the salary, whatever. So I don't blame mm-hmm. him whatsoever. And besides the fact that he may just want to do the job, but um he tried to take Lunda Wells, the Dallas Cowboys tight ends coach, the Cowboys blocked him. And he tried to take Al Harris, who is people act like Al Harris is a Dan Quinn guy. Do we forget that? Mike McCarthy coached Al Harris. Like, I don't know how this list, like, was lost in the sands of time that he literally played for Mike McCarthy with the Green Bay Packers. But somehow along the way, we've defined Al Harris to be a Dan Quinn guy. But mm. so Dan Quinn tried to interview him and was blocked as well. And so where my BLG take comes in is this seems really uncreative to me. Like, were, mm. were you just going to, like, take the guys? <laughs> like, like take your staff with you? Like, that? that's your brilliant plan. Um, and I don't mean to, you know, make it sound like Dan sucks or anything like that, but, like, that seems – how often do you see this happen where a coach like this was was blocked twice from the the team he's leaving it's a little it feels like he has no original ideas and i recognize that's exaggerating a bit
2: oh well, i think the kingsbury hire kind of speaks to that too it's like well here's a guy right. who has been credited for being creative when in actuality i think and i and i'm consistent about this i didn't want the eagles to hire cliff kingsbury i thought that would be a really bad hire because i think cliff kingsbury and even jamal agreed with me on this that his track record very much is not exactly the reality of him. It's when has like,
1: when has he ever had an NFL offense that you were like, oh crap, that's it. Exactly. Never. I mean well, even,
2: and then in, in college, obviously they, they did some things that were Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I mean, you know but, what I mean? And like, a losing record of Patrick Mahomes. Think about that. Think about who Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is. Uh yeah. So I just don't but I do like And, and I'm enough, sorry, I'm sorry. And he let
1: Baker leave. You know what I mean, like, and uh-huh. at the collegiate, at the even now, Baker's kind of re- reputation has been remolded. But like at the collegiate level, Baker was a god. You know what I mean. So like, you clearly misidentified that situation.
2: I do wonder how this relates to the number two overall pick potentially trading up. There was some buzz about that on Super Bowl morning as right, well about right. the Commanders moving up from two to get Caleb Williams. It could it be? I mean, this is you know. Uh, We haven't seen this in a while, but could it be like an Eli Manning kind of situation where Caleb Williams like, I'm not going to Chicago. I'm only going to play for Cliff Kingsbury and the commanders. I would not count on that, uh, certainly, but I don't know. Possible. If you want that to happen, then maybe that's what the commanders are doing there. I just don't think it's a very inspired hire. I do like, on the other hand, and this isn't just a bit because I've defended Brian Johnson, former Eagles offensive coordinator. They're bringing the commanders are bringing in uh, Brian Johnson to be. I have not seen an official title, but it sounded like past game coordinator, maybe quarterbacks coach, too. I think that's a really good move because maybe Brian Johnson isn't a great offensive coordinator. There's evidence to suggest that's certainly the case. But when you talk about some of the work he's done with quarterbacks, including Dak Prescott in college, you have Kyle Trask, who certainly went from like. Nothing to something, yeah. Nothing to whatever, like second round pick, whatever he was, and you know potentially a starter down the road in Tampa Bay or wherever, who knows? Um, and then Jalen Hurts, when he was Jalen Hurts, quarterbacks coach, and you know, Jalen Hurts played pretty well. So I do think that is a good hire for them, and I do think that Brian, and, you know, again, still have to figure out the Cliff Kingsbury part of it all, but I do think Brian Johnson might be able to help that young quarterback out quite a bit. I'm out
1: on the Commanders. I mean, I just need to be impressed is really where i'm at and so they feel awkward they feel wonky but maybe maybe it comes together i'm i'm interested at the very least uh you know so right up. anything
2: else on the commanders hey by the way oh um, yeah there is actually what, what's your point what,
1: <laughs> i was just gonna say it was kind of a big game for the former cal or former nfc east pass rushers in the super bowl both chase young and randy gregory had a strong start
2: it was a big game for the big game, yeah, but Chase Young very much faded after that. It was kind of funny.
1: Well, <laughs> like, yeah, just... I mean, no, but it was it was still incredibly unexpected. That's all I'm saying. Like it was kind of like like nobody expected their names to be said. Is my point?
2: Do you think most people know that there's actually a big game every year, and it's not the Super Bowl? Is it the Puppy Bowl? Is that, no, there's here? actually oh. a game called like quote the big game like all, like capital T capital B capital G the big game it's actually the name given to the california stanford football rivalry like that game is like has been historically right. called yeah. the the, the, getting back the, band, to the bands on the
1: field the bands on the field
2: yeah but yeah. like i just think that's funny like that's actually called the big game or it's called big game whatever what well, what
1: is what exactly does michigan and ohio state call it is isn't it also the big or the big game or what is it um
2: well they play in the big house in michigan but um i don't know i'm not as well versed in college football across the board but oh I just i'm think sorry it's
1: it's just referred to as the game the if game. you were i feel like if 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 like we were michigan like with as contrarian as we like to be i feel like we would be like we're not going to call it that because the, the the thing is
2: their thing you know what
1: i'm saying like to,
2: to like call it game yeah
1: exactly like to, to like emphasize the the about something is an ohio state thing so why would michigan sign up to do that you know that's what I mean? actually a so,
2: pretty good point um in any case uh the other thing i wanted to get to is kind of a commander's giants overlap so if I, if i said hey how do you feel about the giants offensive line how do you feel about it over the past couple years probably been bad right probably been an issue something you really wouldn't want to be associated with this is why i called it a blg take because you're making a mountain out of a molehill here but go ahead how i mean this is a very weird move that the commanders ended up hiring bobby johnson who is the former giants offensive line coach over the past two years i mean this isn't even just my take on it i'm looking at hogshaven.com seeing an article titled bobby johnson is a baffling hire as offensive line coach and he is now you know, does the offensive line coach not being great mean that the commanders can't have a good offensive line? No, it's possible because you put the resources in or whatever. The problem with that, though, is the Giants did that. They were put, they have been putting resources into the offensive line and Evan Neal has been a disaster. And maybe that's part, part of that's just because Evan Neal isn't good enough or whatever, and he's not going to thrive under any offensive line coach. But you have like so many choices to hire for your offensive line coach. And this is the guy you want especially when the commander's offensive line was a disaster last season. Like this guy who's overseeing the giants offensive line, this is going to be the guy who's going to help fix it. I just think that's very silly.
1: I don't have a passionate take on this. I mean, you're right. I you don't think but... that's the no, you're, you're, did that you're, you're, you would be like, you're, this no, no, sucks. You're, you're, you're right. But like the talent is also, it has been an issue for the giants for a long time, but not I the
2: resources that... they've put resources into it. but Like that, it. the so coaching's that, not that, getting
1: that. That might be on, on their scouting department. Like, I'm not saying he's, he's, that's part of you the know, issue. Faultless, but I mean, he's clearly you know. part of the, pro- he wasn't, that's right. fair. That's fair. There, all I'm, or, all I'm saying is like, even more fair, he, he not, has not
2: been part of the solution at the very least. That's, that's fair. All
1: I'm saying is he's not necessarily this anchor that they
2: just like tied down to their ship. That's all I, I'm saying. I agree. It's not just like, the, oh, he's the only reason. But again, <laughs> he's not part of the solution. So I don't know why you, the commanders think he would be. Are we ready to um, chunk deuces? We are ready to. That's not a. That's kind of an unappetizing phrase, especially time. I don't want to think chunk. Uh, think of like barking.
1: Rachel's song
2: selection. So I asked Deuce, you because, like, you know, you're going to the bathroom. So Brandon
1: mm. did not ahead of time. I had to ask him for the songs. Um, so I'm assuming "Born to Run" was your selection, as no, I don't know that's Eds. Oh, you did give me a clue,
2: and "To the Moon." Yeah, was, I did. To the Moon
1: was um was Jamal's.
2: I said, yeah, both of our guests, not in a way where, like, needed to happen. Both picked one, like, kind of culturally relevant to them. So, you know, obviously Bruce Springsteen, Giants play in New Jersey, not New York. And Bruce Springsteen, big Jersey guy. Um, and then Jamal's pick, which I was certainly not familiar with, is um, he was talking about Go-Go. And I had to look that up. It's a style um, of black music back in, like, the, I forget what era here, 90s, 70s, something. Uh interesting didn't know that was a thing and didn't know it was like region specific too i think that's kind of cool that like uh, a geographical region mm-hmm. had their own genre of music there so uh i i welcomed that addition to mid mid 60s to late 70s uh, very cool so subgenre of funk music with an emphasis on specific rhythmic patterns and live audience call and response and it that's was originated awesome. in dc in the late mid 60s late 70s and I
1: couldn't find it in Apple Music. And you sent it to me, but it's a live version. That's the only one that I yeah. could find to put on the playlist. So even yeah. cooler. Um, so then Rachelle obviously chose Superstar by Usher. And you chose The Last Lost Continent by La Yes. Okay. At least I'm caught up because you didn't feel the need to give me this information. So. Um, also an Usher song. Um, Ra- My song this week, I will explain in a minute, but Rachelle's is um, Texas Hold'em by Beyonce. So Rachelle's got Texas on her mind.
2: Yeah, I did not yet hear the new Beyonce. It was very much a big deal clearly when that commercial happened and you know she alluded to dropping new music uh everyone furiously looking to find it. That was fun. Um I've yeah. not heard it yet.
1: No, well, I'm glad that Rachelle, you know, is pointing us in that direction. Um, so I did not. Content- she was so excited on. We pre-recorded Monday Football Monday ahead of last week. And she she told me she was like, I'm so excited to hear the Usher songs for the NFC's mixtape. But I obviously wasn't here. So I'm a week late and I know that it already happened. But I'm going to go with my Usher song. He did not perform it. And that was a bummer. But it's OK. DJ got us falling in love. by Usher. Wow. Uh,
2: I was going to add an Usher song to the playlist, too. But I decided to pivot because I think there was something more fitting for the theme of the Super Bowl and what I started with at the top of this episode. I'm going to go with Karma by Taylor Swift. Karma is the 49ers losing the Super Bowl. After wow. talking all that bull junk in the words of Deion Sanders.
1: Uh, last thing before we leave. And I was reminded of it in reading Ed Song um, by Bruce Springsteen. Um, just a recommendation on something to watch because it was really interesting um, right before I left the night before I, I flew out to Vegas. There's a a documentary on Netflix about We Are the World. Have you seen this? Like seen it in the Netflix menu? No. So it's about the recording of the original song. yeah, Because they they redid it in 2010 um, when Haiti happened. And obviously the, the cause was just as noble, but it was it's about like how they got everybody, how Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson wrote the song um, mm. and they recorded it the night of, of the AMAs that Lionel Richie hosted. It's really fascinating. It's, it's worth 90 minutes, I think, to if you're a fan of music or of music history or anything. I, I'm not like I don't know anything about music, but I was riveted by this whole documentary. So
2: I, <coughs> highly recommend. Like I almost made it without coughing. Dang I it. I think I heard someone talking about that. So yeah, okay.
1: Um, yeah, I think it's called like the night pop something, but it's you'll you'll know it when you see it. So do you have a recommendation on something we should watch?
2: Um I was trying to think of what I watched recently, but nothing is too oh, I did watch the first episode of True Detective season mm-hmm. four and pretty intrigued. I like True Detective. Uh I like the concept as an anthology. Have you watched it before?
1: I tried to watch the first season when it was all everybody would talk about, and I Ooh,
2: forgot, so really good um but uh, yeah, so I'm intrigued to see where the rest of the season goes i I, don't, I feel weird like recommending it because you know it might not be the most uplifting thing, mm-hmm. but if you like that genre uh i and i like I like mystery, so I am going to finish that season out, and I'm looking forward to that
1: okay, as we leave, Brandon, tell us your favorite
2: flavor of slushy favorite flavor of slushy mm-hmm. doing the thing where you repeat the question so you buy yourself time and then I'm talking about it to buy myself even more time uh, <laughs> that's a master I, at work right there <laughs> the thing that comes to mind instantly is the coke because I just think it's hard that's to it's like go an wrong. icy? yeah yeah <laughs>